Welcome to Unpacking Ideas, the podcast where each episode I bring on a new guest to unpack some of the major themes and ideas in a piece of writing. This week we're taking a look at How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Carnegie is arguably the father of the modern self-help movement. He was a public speaking coach and designed several courses in the 1930s. And this book was published first in 1936 and organically grew out of those courses. Today, helping me unpack this book was Shahid Majid. We covered a wide range of topics, including Carnegie's view of human nature, whether or not all human behavior is selfish, why remembering people's names is such a big deal, and how to make people feel important. Uh, This was a really fun conversation, lots of laughs, lots of stories, and lots of insights. Uh, So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Shahid on how to win friends and influence people. Sweet. Well, we're doing how to win friends and influence people. Yeah. It's a classic book by Dale Carnegie. Sold uh, 30 million copies. I was reading. It's like one of the uh, one of the most influential books of all time. Mm. I forget it was like in the top 20 of uh, on some list by Time Magazine. Um, so like just even starting there, there's something that really like resonates about this book with a lot of people. And maybe, I don't know, maybe just start with the title, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Like, I think Carnegie knew what he was doing with that title. Because we'll kind of get into a lot of what he thinks about like human nature and you know you know i think a lot of his stuff is like people are self-interested and they're you know looking to get ahead Mm -hmm. so this title is kind of speaking to that part of humans that part of us that's just like shit like i want to win friends and influence people um so i don't know how much do you think the kind of popularity of this book is due to just like that awesome title and how much do you think of it is due to like the content i think all right so dale carnegie is an influential well-known person to begin with yeah right so like his name carries some weight um i think i think the name is is great because you want to win right like who who doesn't want to win we all want to win so it's how to win friends and influence it's pretty much how to get what you want which, yeah. which you know it's it's a nice way of saying how to get what you want i think the title is great i think I think it's obvious that he knew what he was doing. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about the guy who wrote the book on winning friends and influencing people. He's like, of course he's thinking what to title this. Sure. You know? Well, and there was one, because most of the book is framed in terms of like, like you said, to like winning or like, what can I get out of it as the reader? Basically, like, how can I, uh, you know, get what I want from other people or get what I want from the world or in my job or whatever. But there was one story he told that was kind of the outlier that stuck out for me i don't know if you caught it but he he talks about like giving a compliment to this guy he he you know some like random stranger and he complimented this guy as like oh man i wish i had a head of hair like you do and uh you know made this guy feel great so anyways he's telling some of his students this story and somebody in his seminar says to him well like, why did you do that? What were you trying to get from the person? 
And he gets all like up in arms and just like, who says I have to be getting something from that person at all? Like, I just mm. said that to him to make him feel good. Um, and, you know, kind of then like went on like a diatribe about that, about like, you know, some of these principles are just like inherently nice things to do for somebody else. Like you're, you're giving somebody a compliment for a compliment's sake. Um, but, you know, he didn't title the book how to make people feel good uh, through giving them compliments and stuff. You know, he titled the book How to Win Friends. So, so yeah, I think even though maybe that is part of why he says you should use a lot of these principles and these tactics, um, it at least isn't the part of, it is at least isn't the part that he kind of sold to the audience. Like, I think he realized if he titled the book how to make strangers feel good about themselves, like less people would have bought that book. Yeah, man. There's this, um, <clears throat> there's, I get this sense when he's talking mm. where, um, it's kind of like, it's like, it's just us guys, you know what I mean? Or it's just us, you know, like mm. you're, you're in his squad when he's talking to you. Mm. And so like, of course we want things. Yeah. You know? But maybe it's like, of course, sometimes we don't always want things. Sometimes it's, a, it's more about building the habit of providing value up front or providing the emotional, the emotional uh, stroking up front, right? So like the, like the post office guy, I, I recall mm. him being in the post yeah, office. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And um, yeah, at some point that just becomes naturally who you are, mm. you know? So it's like, um, okay taken to the extreme you have people who are altruists who are always trying to do good for other people yeah even at the downfall of themselves mm -hmm. like that's that's the extreme that say like Anne rand would just be totally against sure, right that sure. that kind of unbarred altruism yeah <clears throat> so i think i think that just seems so outlandish to uh to say us like us people who are willing to read this book, who are probably business people, maybe they really want to get what they want, um, or or they know that they want to get what they want, mm. but it provides this sort of like, hey, but you can also every once in a while just do it, just to get some reps in with getting people feeling good about themselves, and you'll feel good too. Sure. Well, and I think these tactics, I think a lot of them, they they maybe work in two different ways. They can just be intrinsically maybe like nice things to do for another person in the sense that like, you know, we'll get into kind of all of his tips and tricks, but you know, when you say somebody's name or when you act, you know, you're really excited to see them and you smile when you see them, like it makes them feel good. So we could just say even that is just like intrinsically nice thing to do. But then there's also the factor of, okay, well, it's also, you know, maybe like selfishly good for me because, uh, you know, going from the, the whole kind of uh, thesis of the book, like if you, you know, do these things, it will also kind of come back to you in full. Um, and the other thing I want to comment that you said, you were talking about when he's writing, he has a way of kind of like making it sound like he's just speaking to you as the reader, like you're in some kind of exclusive club, hmm. which uh, he was also big about making people feel important and special and appreciated so i kind of wonder if that 
uh, you know, part of me thinks that that's probably not any accident either. Like he realizes the importance of like making people feel special and important and unique. And maybe he was trying to do that with his reader as well. It's kind of making them feel like, oh, you're, you're in this like little club with me. And, uh, you know, we kind of have our own insight. Dude, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And I I thought it was cool. I actually watched a a documentary because I didn't know a whole lot about Dale Carney as a person, but I guess this book grew out of his course. Like he, he had a public speaking course and it then later turned into kind of like a human, like interpersonal relationships type of stuff. And somebody kind of encouraged him to write a book and you know, it was a hit. Um, well, cool. Well, maybe, so there, I think there's two ways to maybe like attack some of this stuff. Um, so the, the way I read this book the first time, I was very much in the kind of, I've read it maybe like five or six years ago. And I was in a very kind of like self-help mindset of just like, all right, what are the skills? What are the tactics? Like, you know, how can I practically put this into use? And I think that's very much how this book book is written. Um, but the, another way to read this is to ask kind of the question of like, what is he what is Dale Carnegie saying about human nature? Mm. Uh, because along the lines of, of kind of, you know, unloading all of these practical of all this practical guidance, he is kind of saying, this is what people are like. Therefore, this is how you should win friends and influence people. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought it might be cool to maybe start with kind of Carnegie's, uh, vision of human nature and then maybe from there we can get into the like okay well then if that is true like how does he think we should then navigate winning friends and influence people that sounds good cool yeah so i don't know about you but i i think he has a pretty pretty dark vision of human nature yeah um i and i kind of jotted down just some bullet points i mean so there's kind of themes around the, the fact that people are self-absorbed, uh, self-seeking. Uh, they think highly of themselves. Um, st- they have a strong need for significance and importance and uh, maybe a fragile ego and can maybe be petty. So maybe we can start with the kind of self-absorbed part. Um, some things I jotted down. He says... The average human or like we spend like 95% of our thoughts are about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, to, he quoted this study that was from like one of the telephone companies said that the word I was the most used word uh, on telephone conversations. Yeah. And then just throughout the book, you know, he says people love, we, lo- we love talking about ourselves. Uh, we love the sound of our own name more than anything else. Uh, we're interested in our own problems. And a few of these quotes that kind of bring it home, uh, he says, quote, people are not interested in you. They are not interested in me. They are interested in themselves, morning, noon, and after dinner. And then uh, just one more. He says, the people you are talking to are a hundred times more interested in themselves and their wants and problems than they are in you and your problems. 
So I don't know. What did you think about? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. He he definitely. I don't know. I think from from that he definitely has this vision that people are pretty self absorbed. Yeah. Is that how you you kind of read that as well? Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. And like, hey man, it's it's pretty relatable. Yeah. I think anyone who's who's uh, you know partially self like a little more than partially uh, who's who's maybe above average self-aware mm. like would know that right like if you pay attention to yourself you get so your mom pulls out the photo book i'm, not, I'm, I'm looking for myself you in know the picture yeah exactly yeah right well yeah so he he does say that uh you know we're all a little we're all self-absorbed but he also says we don't like to think of ourselves as being self-absorbed so that's one of his was one of his ta- tactics is like you know don't make the other person or don't let on that the other person is self-absorbed. So if you're, if you're talking to somebody and they're just kind of going on and on about themselves, like you never want to draw attention to that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that's a big point that he makes is that the, just the idea that people are just infinitely more interested in themselves than they will ever be in you. And I know for me that was one of the big points I got the first time I read the book. Uh, and maybe I'll pull up the the quote exactly. But he says he says pretty much like you can make more friends in 2 months by being genuinely interested in other people than you could make in 2 years by trying to make other people interested in you. Yeah. Which that to me I think was the most the biggest idea in the whole book. Mm. Um, at least, you know, kind of what I took from it. And I think it goes against a lot of our intuitions. At least me personally, I think my intuition is, okay, I want this person to find me interesting. Like, what am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to going to talk about myself. I'm going to, you know, brag about myself. I'm going to try to show them how interesting of a person I am. Yeah. And he says, no. The, the way that you do it is to become genuinely interested in them mm. because you will never be as, you could be the most interesting person in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, you're still not as interesting as they are to themselves. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, that's a hard truth. I think, I think maybe that's a hard truth for everyone except parents or something like that. Mm. I think parents might be the exception. Sometimes, uh, maybe not all. Well, like parents being interested in their kids. You oh mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I. Yeah. Mean, that so one's parents. Sure. Yeah, man. I I think he's he's pretty damn right. Mm. You know, like I've I've yet to meet someone where that's not the case. Is there maybe more? Like, could we maybe put some more nuance on it? Sure. Because so, you know, because obviously, like people are interested in other people like Mm -hmm. we you know we go on dates we have friends and we ask questions about their lives Mm -hmm. and we're like we want to get to know the other person yeah um i don't know do you think carnegie would say oh well that's still just self-interest like you i don't know you're only kind of interested in that person because of what they can do for you or is that kind of too reductive to to go down that line I think I think he would I think he would say that at some level you are getting something from the person. Mm-hmm. Um at least it's a trade. 
not a sacrifice. Because I don't okay. think most people go around making sacrifices. What I what I mean by that, that, that distinction is like, so a trade is something uh, that you value for something else mm-hmm. um, of equal or more value. A sacrifice is me giving you something of value for something of lesser value. Sure. So if you're hanging out with a person, like, you can feel when hanging out with a person is a sacrifice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, great, <laughs> like, great. I've been on those dates before. <laughs> no, but, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think maybe are what is what you're saying kind of like both people have to be getting something from that interaction. So maybe if I am, you know, talking to somebody and you know, maybe it's just them talking about themselves. Like I'm still getting something. Maybe I'm learning something from them that I don't know. So that could be something of value or, you know, the value could just be, okay, well this, I'm, you know, this person's talking about themselves and, you know, it's making them feel good and that's a value or it could be, uh, yeah, I, like I'm asking this person questions about themselves and they're talking a lot and that's making them like me because mm-hmm. people like talking about themselves. So, yes. So yeah, I, I think you're right. I think there are probably few of us who are like just martyrs and just uh, don't get anything of value out of conversations or relationships. For sure. I mean, look, even even if like, let's say a person is talking to someone else and it's so it's so boring and you might think, oh, that's a sacrifice. It's like, no, no, even that's not a sacrifice. So, mm. so to touch back on your thing about about Dale Carnegie, like what he would say about um, talking to people, whether or not that's in your self interest or not. Yeah, I think one self interest in anything that they do is so strongly implied that you don't even need to talk about it or to think about it. Mm. It's a given. Yeah. If you're talking to someone, like it's a given that's in your self-interest. If you're doing anything at all, it's in your self-interest, unless you're insane. So like if you're lighting yourself on fire, that's not in your self-interest, right? (laughs) Well, I think because he he makes the point that uh, like as far as self-interest goes, he makes the point that anything we do, we do it because we want to do it. Right. Or like we're gaining something for it. And he uses an example of somebody who gives to charity. And he's basically saying like, well, that person like did it because they, you know, either wanted to feel good about themselves or they wanted, you know, a building named after them. So even so-called altruistic acts are still, in his estimation, they're still self-seeking. Um, which, yeah, I, I think I think it's tricky because in, in some cases it can kind of turn into a, a circular argument in that like you could take like you said lighting yourself on fire you could name like any act and then reason your way into like finding a reason why that thing might be self-serving yeah like i think i think i think it's one of those things that's a little dangerous because like i said any like anything can real like you can you can make up a reason of like oh that person gave to charity. Oh, well they just did it because they wanted to make themselves feel better or, um, which is fine. Yeah. Which is fine. You know, like, like there's no, I think a lot of people have this idea where, um, uh, something is completely void of altruism if you benefit at all. Right, Right. Right. Um, sometimes that's what like Kant would say. If you did it, if your if your motives were not pure, then it uh, 
diminishes the altruistic thing. Yeah, I think it's the purity thing that it gets. St- I think I, um, oh man, you know what sucks is, okay, so I did a thing that I would consider, you know, like a good thing. And I did it out of the goodness of uh, my heart or my brain mm. or whatever the fuck, right? If I talk about it now with you, yeah, does that then make it selfish? Right? Because then what? Like I get validation. People might mm. see this and they're going to be like, oh, he did that thing. Right. Does that taint the act? I I don't think so. I mean, there's also the whole, I mean, this is a bit of a side tangent, but there's also the whole thing of like somebody like Peter Singer would say, if you give to charity or, you know, do altruistic things, you should talk about it because it then encourages other people to do it. Yeah. So if, you know, you were telling me like, oh, I just gave this money to this foundation, you know, now I kind of have in the back of my head like, oh, it's like you know, a normal thing for people of my age in my social circle to give to charity and I'm a lot more likely to do it. So he would say like, you should talk about it. But your question is like, does that take away from it? Right. Um, I don't know. I think you just have to be honest with yourself of like, am I talking about it because it naturally came up or because right. I'm trying to connect with this person or am I talking about it to kind of like make this person just know how nice of a person I am? Yeah. So, so when we start talking, I think a lot of people, when they start talking self-interest in terms of charity and stuff like that, yeah, it, it taints it for, mm. for some people like, oh, you know, they just wanted their name on the building, da, 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 da. Yeah. Um, which, hey, you know, there might be a place for that. Um, <clears throat> but, okay. So I want to tell you about a thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Um that some might view as a sacrifice, but I view as a trade. And because it's a trade, it means that it's in my, my own interest. Okay. Um, so I was at, I was at Martha's bakery mm-hmm. in, um, Astoria. I think it was, yeah, it was Astoria. And, uh, it was Michelle and I, it was Greek Easter. We went there to buy some Greek Easter bread. We bought a whole bunch of shit we shouldn't have bought. While, while I was there, there was an old guy and I heard that we had long line outside I heard this old guy talking to the server person. This was during COVID time, so he couldn't go inside all at once. Mm. And uh, he said, oh, I want to get a birthday cake for my birthday. And I was like, damn, you know, like this old guy's buying his own birthday cake. And he was old. This guy was old. He was hunched over. I think he had sunglasses on. Not the cool kind, but the, you know, I can't see well kind, you know? <laughs> like, sure. sure. And um, <clears throat> so he, he went and ordered his cake. And I saw, like, I went up and I spoke to the the server uh, person, right? Mm. And I was like, hey, that guy's cake is on me. Mm. So I paid for this guy's cake. And I didn't want any recognition. I didn't yeah. want her to tell him it was for me. I was like, hey, don't say anything. This cake is on me. Yeah. So I paid for the guy's cake. She thanks me, right? Which I didn't do it for that. Yeah. But I don't think, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't like the world where that old guy had to buy a cake for himself on his own birthday. Mm. Yeah. And that money gone is not a sacrifice. That's a trade. That That's a trade in that that person's suffering is a little less gone. Sorry, a little less present. Sure. You know, or that sadness. Right. And you probably felt good about yourself, you know, in a sense. And, and I mean, that story is also kind of similar to Dale Carnegie giving the, the post office guy a compliment about his hair. Yeah. Because... Yeah, in in a sense, like you're you're making that person feel good, 
And you could say, I mean, again, if we want to like reduce any everything to like, what am I getting from it? Let's we could say we could say you are getting, uh, you're feeling good about yourself because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I I helped this guy out. Like yeah. I, um, like I made him feel good inside. This is who I am, and that, and that makes me feel good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, and it, it's fine. It's fine to feel good for doing something. Oh, totally. In fact, you should feel... That's probably why you're doing it, because you feel good about doing it, you know? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, nobody listening to this feels like panged with guilt anytime they do something nice. Like, <laughs> well, shit, am I doing it for selfish reasons or not? But it is good to ask yourself those questions, because you kind of have to be honest with yourself of like, all right, like, am I doing this uh, as a way of kind of, you know virtue signaling and showing off how how like nice of a guy i am or am i doing this because i genuine and it sounds like you know he genuinely wanted to make the guy feel good on his birthday yeah. which is yeah which is sweet um one of the other things he talks about uh a lot in this is that humans we have this need to feel appreciated mm. And he uses a few different words to feel appreciated or to feel significant or to feel important. And maybe I'll read a few of these uh, quotes here. So he says, the deepest principle in human nature is the craving to be appreciated. And then later he says, it was this desire for a feeling of importance that inspired Dickens to write his immortal novels. This desire inspired Sir Christopher Wren to design his symphonies in stone. The desire made Rockefeller amass millions he never spent. Um, so he seems to think that we all have this need to feel special, to feel significant and important. And from this, I think, is where he gets a lot of his... Uh, kind of practical advice is that you know this is why it's so important that we remember people's names and that you know because somebody forgetting your name is is kind of a shortcut or a little heuristic for us to go oh this person didn't think I was important enough Mm. to remember yeah so I think it's from this kind of fact about human nature that Dale Carnegie places such importance on something like remembering people's names Um, and one of the things I kind of wondered about is I wondered if this is maybe just, if, if this is a universal thing amongst like all humans have this strong need for, uh, significance, or if this is more of a, a, an American thing Hmm. in that, like, we're a very kind of individualistic society and maybe like, you know, especially some like more collectivist parts of the world like uh in asia and china yeah like they might have less of this need to feel um i don't want to say important but to feel kind of special Mm. so i don't know but i mean did you have any thoughts on on the whole the name thing or yeah i I definitely had some thoughts on the name thing but i think i think your thing about um the individualistic culture versus a collective culture that's 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 something man yeah i hadn't even thought about that right because i think i mean it's one of the tricky things that happens a lot is you know we're so kind of 
indoctrinated in, in our own culture and we're we're living in it we can't kind of see that like okay well maybe this thing that is true for all americans mm. is not is not necessarily true of people all around the world yeah. and this is this book has a very kind of american i mean it's obviously written in america and it was wildly popular in america and it kind of has that like american dream vibe to it as well oh for sure um so yeah i wonder if i wonder if this importance he places on significance is more true of americans and you know more of like individual individualistic mm. parts of the world or if it's i don't know just a thought no i th- i think i think it's um maybe that's one of the reasons why america is one of the best countries to be honest you know what I mean? Because because that's that's kind of uh, it's it's harnessed, if you will, over here. Whereas, like in in other countries, perhaps it's not so much individual achievement. Mm. I do think that's probably a human thing, mm. t- and I have no evidence for this, right? But yeah, but it makes sense that every person would want to be appreciated in some sense. Sure, because um, yeah. if you're appreciated, then the tribe takes care of you, right? You know, and like you bring value to the tribe. And we are tribal creatures. Like if you go back, way back to whenever the hell we evolved and all that stuff. Like over over the evolutionary period um, that preceded you and I sitting in this basement, right? So, like, <laughs> yeah. all right. Um, sorry. Well, well, yeah. I mean, if if we want to look at like kind of through ev- an evolutionary lens, right. I think it makes sense as well because we have a there is an incentive to there's an incentive to not stand out in a bad way. Mm. You know, you don't want to kind of be like the tall poppy that gets cut, uh, who's kind of sticking your neck out and, you know, you know, being different in a bad way. But Mm -hmm. there is also the incentive to kind of be a little bit better, a little bit more noticeable. I mean, just from like, uh, you know, sexual selection, you know, it's like the, that's how, that's how we evolved is it was like, it was the animal or the chimp who kind of had the, you know, the the one thing that the others didn't that was just like a little bit different or a little bit better. Yeah. That, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that separates, you know, separates you from the pack. But maybe getting back on the names thing. Oh, right. I, I, I'm curious. Names is one of those things that I used to kind of not really think was that important. Just like, mm. oh, it's a, it's a name. It's a mouth noise that we make. And, you know, I get in these conversations with people and I, it's like, I could tell you everything about that person, where they grew up, like, you know, their favorite food, like I know everything about them and then I'd forget their name and they would just instantly be like, oh, this person doesn't give a shit about me. So I think it is this kind of like heuristic that we have of like, yeah, if, if somebody remembers your name Mm -hmm. and like carnegie says uses your name in conversation like we just feel we feel good we feel significant we feel important um yeah what do you you think about names yeah dude he's he's so right yeah he is so right about that names fucking names man (laughs) so i can recall all the times where i've gotten a person's name wrong and it just you just you just feel the disappointment yeah. in the person. Um, I can also recall the times when I've said a person's name, and 
like, you know, they, they become more responsive. It just happens, you know? And when yeah. someone says my name, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Whew. You know? Like, it's big. Sometimes I'll act like I didn't hear, so they say it again, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I mean like, yeah. Um, I, I use it when, like, sometimes when I'm teaching yeah. and, like, I don't know, they deal with some kids who are just, like, you know, they're kids, so they're off in their own world sometimes. Yeah. But, like, if I say their name, they're just, like, tuned right in. Mm. And it's just, like, it's like the magic word. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, and then it also has the effect of, he says, and maybe I'll read the quote. I Maybe if I don't have it right in front of me. Let's see. He says, he says, a person's name is the sweetest sound in any language. <laughs> um, I was also thinking maybe this is a, uh, you know, going down a, a different path. But, like, I was also thinking, like, when somebody says your name during sex. Oh. Right? That's, like, that's, like, the ultimate turn on. Yeah. It's, like, somebody saying your name, like, in your ear or something. And that's yeah. probably also why if you say the wrong person's name in yeah. the bedroom, like, I mean, that's the kind of Hollywood cliche, right? Like, somebody says the wrong oh, yeah. person's name yeah, yeah. during sex and then they, like, get thrown out. But I think that's probably why is it's just, like, oh, you, you know, you're mistaking me with somebody else. Like, you don't think I'm important and significant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting... Oh, man. Yeah. Especially from, like, someone that you're sexually attracted to when they say your name. Oh, jeez. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I get that, man. I right. get... I get... The, a joke just popped into my head while you were saying that. It's like if you have a teacher fetish and then she says your name and then you say, oh, present. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, this name thing, man. I... um at some, we might be, I'm, I'm going to jump a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah. But I, sure. I find that like, um, names and giving people responsibilities. Oh, mm. that's, that's a golden combo. Mm. That is a golden combo. So like if I'm hosting something like a, like a concert or something out of my place, like sometimes I'll give jobs to people mm. and you know, you don't formally tell them you're going to do it. You just say, Hey, can you take everyone in the elevator to the rooftop? And you, you use their name while you say it mm. and they're not expecting the responsibility so now they're going to invest by taking on this responsibility because who's going to say no, right? Yeah. And you've said their name. So you can, re- you can really stack up mm. the, um, you can really stack up the, what's a term that I can use for rapport? You mm. can really stack up on rapport by doing that stuff. Well, yeah. And he talks about, uh, he talks about, I think the, the principle is like give somebody a, give somebody a reputation to live up to or mm. something like that. And he was the, I think the example he used was like, um, you know, telling like a trouble student that like, Oh, you got to be good because these other people are looking up to you or, or something like that. I can't remember the exact specifics, mm. but yeah, it's something, I, I think it's similar to what's called like the Benjamin Franklin effect, which is when kind of what you said, you ask somebody to do something for you. And by them doing something for you, they're actually more drawn to you. So like Benjamin Franklin, I think the thing was like he asked to borrow a book Mm. from somebody, like one of his adversaries. He like asked to borrow a book from this guy. And then he noticed that after that, the guy was a lot more drawn to him and liked him a lot more. And he was like, well, this is interesting. Like I asked this guy a favor and he 
is more drawn to me. Mm. Like you would think most people you'd think like if I do the favor for somebody else, then they'll but but the opposite's kind of true as well. Yeah. It, it starts that kind of like reciprocity. And I think some of the I mean, not to like analyze this to death, but I think what is happening, part of what's happening, if somebody does a favor for you, mm-hmm. they kind of backwards rationalize like, oh, I must like this person or I must uh, respect this person because I'm letting them borrow my book and therefore like, oh, we're, you know, we have a certain level of uh, bond between us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I think that backwards rationalization is uh, it's a major... I think that's a major untapped resource that people don't know about. Mm. Um, and yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's probably where the the whole favor thing, um, the favor thing kicks off that process. And then the person is invested. And then they don't want to be a fool, so they, they rationalize the investment. And so then maybe they invest more and you invest a little bit more and then you got this game going. I'm not quite sure where I'm going right. with that. Well, there's yeah. the, there's the other one that's like the foot in the door technique, mm. which is basically like if you do something for someone, yeah, like a small thing, yeah. like the kind of foot in the door, like, Oh, will you, um, you know, like you said, will you take those people up in the elevator? It's this like little request. And then, you know, later, oh, will you, uh, I don't know, um, drive me to the airport. Uh, that's maybe a big request, depending on that's what time request, the request, depending <laughs> what time the, the flight is. Yeah. And then, you know, here and then a couple years later, oh, will you, you know, help me bury this body, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think, you know, there's something there. And actually, Darren Brown, I don't know if you know the. Oh, yeah, I love he, Darren Brown. He's amazing. That's a lot of what he uses in his kind of. Um, you know, he does these like social experiments where he's like, uh, basically like manipulating people on, uh, on, in, in, on camera and getting people like, he'll get somebody, he'll get a stranger to like push another stranger off a building in like an evening just by doing a series of these kind of like asks. It's just like starts with like a small ask and then he kind of builds on it, builds on it. And, you know, by the end of the evening, he's just like, will you help me like hide this body and uh, <laughs> kill this person? So yeah, it's something you got to really be on the lookout for. Yeah. Well. It, it, it's so, it's like a balancing act too. When you do like rapport building, cause if you overdo it, Oh mm. man, the other person is on guard. Mm. Like let's, have you ever, okay. So I've recalled getting people's names wrong. I've recalled getting people's names, right. I've recalled saying people's names too often. If you say people's names too often, oh sure, oh, it's <laughs> yeah. just like <laughs> well, I think I think yeah. probably any of these kind of techniques that Carnegie talks about here, yeah. like I think if they're overdone or if they're done in a spirit of like I'm just trying to manipulate and get something from you, like people can feel that, mm. you know, like if I'm just like, oh, what's up, Shahid? How are you doing, Shahid? Good, good to see you. <laughs> There's like, all right, something's fishy here. Like this yeah. guy wants something from me, yeah. or they just. You know, it's like the car salesman just has this like really huge cheesy smile mm. and it's just like, it's not sincere, which I think is maybe a lot of why Carnegie talks about like being genuine with all this. You know, he mm. says like have a genuine interest in other people, have a genuine smile. Cause I yeah. think he's aware of there's like a lot of these things can go bad if they're, 
uh, overdone or if they're kind of fake. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, that's a terrible, uh, place to, I was kind of in that place Mm. where I was, I was, I was quite fake. Um, Uh, I was quite fake. I was doing a little too much of the name calling a little too much rapport building. And and at some point I think people could kind of sense it when I was younger. Mm. Um, and yeah, man, you can lose yourself in that kind of inauthenticity, on inauthenticity. I think the word is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, maybe, maybe we can transition into, actually, there's one more thing on, as far as like the human nature yeah. that I kind of wanted to touch on. Um, oh, the smile thing is big too. I saw you put down the thing about smiling. Oh yeah, totally. We can get, well, let's get to that when we talk about oh, yeah. kind of uh, his practical advice. But as far as human nature, he also tends to think people are kind of petty or at least have kind of fragile egos. Mm. And I gathered this from, he's saying, you know, when you criticize people, it makes them resent you, at least if you're not careful about it. Mm. And also if you, uh, he, you know, he says like not to argue with people or not to kind of defeat somebody in an argument or in a debate Mm. because, you know, when people lose their ego gets bruised and they get petty. Yeah. So he, I think he also tends to think people have, have kind of a, a petty, petty nature when it comes to those types of things involving their ego. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, man, that's, that's pretty true by and large. Mm. Um, or at least I think so. Right. Like there, there may be a few people, I don't you tell me if you've experienced this, but there are some people where you can be more blunt with, Mm. you know, and there are some people where if you start being blunt, it's, um, it's not like they're searching for truth so much. Oh, oh man. All right. So check this out. I think some people communicate to be kind and maybe manipulate. And Mm. some people communicate to speak truth Mm. and get to know facts. Sure. So if you talk to a person who's just trying to be kind and they have a booger on their face and you say, there's something on your face, you have a booger, right? Like they might get embarrassed and like, that's not a kind thing to do if you're Mm. around other people. So there's like a social awareness that's required with them. Um, whereas with other people, you can be more blunt, right? Mm. So the ego doesn't get hurt so much if we're both trying to find truth. Right. Well, and if that person knows that their self-interest, that you are interested in helping them. Right. That it's like you are telling them they have a booger on their face because you know that they're about to, I don't know, go into like a dinner party and you don't want them to, you know, have a booger on their face. Like if if they can kind of feel that like, oh, this person's giving me this feedback because they want to help me versus like they're doing it because they want to like hurt me or they want to embarrass me. But I I mean, that's one of the things and we'll get into it. Like he talks about, we kind of need to be very delicate when it comes to offering criticism Mm. because of, you know, like I said, people kind of have fragile egos. And if we just, if we don't kind of, uh, if we don't kind of, uh, if we're not careful about how we deliver it, yeah. people can get really defensive and really hurt if we're just like, uh, you know, your performance wasn't good enough on Tuesday, Fred. Fred's just going to like, <laughs> fuck you. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. we kind of bear down. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, just, to, just yeah. to speak about that, I do think most people are like that. Mm. The pettiness, the, uh, the hurt feelings, the ego. I might even be in that camp sometimes. Oh yeah, with some people, you know. But I think I think it's so valuable to find people who aren't in that camp. 
Well, and I think it gets to what he's talking about too, because he says another at another point that like people are, uh, people are not logical. Like we're emotional creatures, mm-hmm. and I think that's a thing as well. Like even if you are kind of, uh, you know, you're you're kind of like logically thinking about like, okay, well, this person offered me criticism and. It's actually going to help me if I kind of take that criticism and like grow with it. Mm -hmm. But like it still hurt and my emotional reaction is just like, fuck you. Yeah. So I think, I think you can, I think that's kind of what he's saying too, is like we can kind of logically know a lot of this stuff of like, okay, well, Shahid just told me I had a booger on my nose. And like, if I'm actually logically thinking about it, like I'm, I should be glad that he did that, but that doesn't change the fact that I had a very like visceral emotional reaction to it, which is just like, who is this guy telling me, <laughs> telling me this? Yeah. Oh man, you ever had someone tell you don't be a pussy? <laughs> no, but that's, really? No. Oh man. Okay. So when another I'm guy sure that's triggering, yeah. Oh yeah. When another person says don't be a pussy, you're like, oh, you know, fuck you, man. The mm. ego's hurt. But guess what? You know what's gonna happen? You're not gonna be a pussy. Right. Well, and, <laughs> yeah, and Carnegie probably wouldn't like how he delivered that. Carnegie would probably say like he should compliment you, yeah. <laughs> then call you a pussy, yeah. and then uh, then compliment you again. Oh man! But yeah, I, I think I think um, maybe that's not a, a good long term strategy thing. The whole pussy thing, right? And once you once you start scaling up, you get the different mm. personality types. Calling people pussy is probably less successful than um being softer totally you know like your bros you can do that with Mm. because there's a game that you all know that you're playing you know you punch each other in the shoulder all that shit there's a space for that but perhaps in the business world no Mm. well there's also i i don't know if you picked up on this too but there's kind of a theme that runs through this book which is kind of like what feels good to do Mm -hmm. is a lot of times not what is effective. Mm. So like it feels good to yell at somebody. It feels good to call somebody a pussy. It feels good in the moment to write somebody an angry letter. But if you actually want to change people and be effective, you kind of have to like table that and put that aside. Yeah. Um, Which I think is huge, you know, and that runs through like interpersonal things. It also runs through like, I even think of like big like big political issues where it's like, okay, you guys want, um, you know, this party to change their stance on whatever. Well, calling them assholes mm. probably feels good, but it's not going to make anybody want to change or, you know, it's not effective. Uh, so I don't know. I think that's a huge, and he talked about like, um, I think it was Mark Twain, like Mark Twain, right, right, he yeah, Mark up. Twain would like write these angry letters and, they could have like screwed up his whole career, but I guess his wife like didn't mail them. Yeah. And Lincoln was somebody who he like wrote this angry letter and then he never mailed it. Like mm. he kind of sat on it and thought better of himself. Yeah. Um, but cool. Do you want to get into uh, some of the kind of principles he talks about? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sweet. So we talked about names quite a bit, like using people's names. Um, smile. Let's definitely talk about this. Oof, he yeah. says, uh, he talks about dogs and he says a dog is, uh, this isn't a direct quote. It's kind of how I paraphrased it. He mm-hmm. says the dog is the biggest winner of friends in the world because dogs are always happy to see people. And like 
you know, kind of like we we're saying earlier, like we like people who like us.、Mm-hmm. And so when we see a puppy, the puppy is like super excited to see us.、Yeah. So in turn, we're like super excited to see the puppy.、Um, and that's kind of, I think, one of the reasons he thinks smiling is so important. Smiling, again, is kind of this heuristic of like, this person is excited to see me or happy to see me.、Yeah. And that makes me feel, you know, important or significant or appreciated,、mm-hmm. uh, which makes me feel good. Yeah, or, or, or the opposite is true, man.、Mm. Um, so I, I used to work for this hospital system that had,、uh, they had this cafeteria like place.、Mm-hmm. And the, the, one of the、um, cashier or lunch ladies, I'm not quite sure, let's call her cashier.、Mm-hmm. She, was, uh, she was Jamaican, right?、Mm. And she had this scowl on her face all the time. And like when you're paying for stuff, it's kind of like.、Um, <laughs> You know, so like it, it <laughs> dismissive, she, right? It's dismissive. You're bothering me. It's all of these things. So,、mm. one of the、uh, one of the high ranking directors one day asked her, she was like, Did I do something wrong to you? And and the Jamaican woman said,、uh, I, I don't know, I don't know exactly what she said, but she complained to me later because I, I talked to her because、mm-hmm. we're West Indian, you know, hey, what's going on, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I talked to her and her. Her way of explaining her expression is that she c o m e from Jamaica.、Mm-hmm. It's a place where you got to be tough.、Mm. And that's where she came from. And that's what she knows. How could this director talk down to her like that? You know, a big lady like that talk down to her. And it's, it's, it's really it's, it's strange because it's like that. Opposite of a smile, that scowl or、uh, bitchy look, if you will.、Mm-hmm. You know, like she's shooting herself in the foot by doing that in America. Because、mm. you're not, you, you don't have to play defense if you're in a hospital cafeteria. Right. Well, and it depends, I guess, on your goal, too. Because this, like, this is under the section of like, how to make people like you. Right. right so right, if right. her goal is to be liked by、right. other people, then. Yeah, scowling is probably not doing her any favors. But、mm-hmm. I guess if her goal is to like be tough and to like not be intimidated or to maybe intimidate other people, like、mm-hmm. if that's her goal, she doesn't really care about being liked, then her scowl might be fine. But, but yeah, so I think it depends on what, what her goal is. Yeah. I mean, she, she, she shot herself in the foot by doing that, you know? But,、mm. anyways, what I'm doing is I'm giving you the exact opposite situation. So that it can illustrate how much of a correction,、um, how much a correction could help a person, which is in the opposite direction. So, like,、mm. if she was smiling, all, holy shit, man, good customer service is amazing. Yeah. Like, I will go to a place with all right food and great customer service over really good food and bad customer service. Yeah. Like, it, ma- it makes all the difference. And I just feel great. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about it.、Um... I was actually talking to a friend of mine last weekend about this book.、Mm. And she was telling me that she read it and she was like, you know, I, I didn't really get much from it. Like, I, and, I, and I was just thinking to myself, like, what? Like, there's so much, there's so much in here. Like, how did she not get anything? Yeah. And I saw her then again, like a couple days later. And the first thing she did when she saw me, and, you know, she does this not just with me, but with everybody. Yeah. She had this huge smile on her face. She's like, sad. Oh my gosh, Zach! Like, so good to see you.、Yeah. Like, huge smile. And it was very, like, puppy dog like. <laughs> and I was just thinking to myself, like, 
oh, she already does this naturally. Uh, and she probably was just like, oh, yeah, of course that's what you're supposed to do. Um, she's like, obvious, you know. Yeah. You need to yeah, and maybe she made that connection, maybe she didn't. But I was like, this is somebody who kind of embodies this of like, oh, there actually are very, very puppy dog-like when they see somebody. Mm. And, you know, in return, you know, that feels really good to receive. It's just like, oh, this person's like smiling. They're saying my name. Like they're making me feel really good. Um, well, cool. So that's that's smiles. Um, I've oh yeah, just really go quick ahead before we move on, man. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, so I try to figure out when there's a genuine smile versus a fake smile. Mm. And if I see a fake smile, like you know, I, I judge the person. To be honest, you know, because yeah. and and even. Like, um, all right, if I don't see teeth when a person's smiling, something's wrong. Okay. Right? And I think everyone knows that. Like, maybe not consciously, but in your head. Oh, yeah. Well, I think a lot of it's, a lot of it's unconscious. Yeah. Like, we pick up all these, like, we, we can't really articulate what's off, but like, something about this guy, I don't know. You know, like, yeah. the fuck is that? Mm. You know, you mm. psycho. <laughs> yeah. So, Michelle, my girlfriend, Michelle told me that she went through all the photos that we had together mm -hmm. to see if they looked like real smiles or fake smiles. Yeah. And this is before I told her about any of this stuff. So mm -hmm. I wonder how many other people recognize this and, and like, you know? Oh yeah. I think it's, it's pretty big. Like I know the, the kind of fancy name, the Duchenne smile is the authentic one. And apparently you can tell because uh, it's more in the eyes mm. and that like if you fake smile it's very hard to it's very hard to fake smile uh with your eyes as well oh. and like so that's why it looks really weird because it's like the person's mouth is in a smile formation but their eyes are just like not moving yeah whereas a duchenne smile you kind of get those like uh you know uh Crow's, crow's feet. feet around your your eyes and stuff oh man during covid if, if you can't do the douche smile and you know it just looks like nothing like why are you staring at me right now man <laughs> you know? i saw this i saw this really funny meme and it was this girl who she learned to smile with her eyes without moving her face like <laughs> and so she like had her she had her covid mask on so it looks like she's smiling and then she takes off the mask and her face is just like stone cold but her <laughs> eyes are still like smiling it's really funny <laughs> oh, cool man. man well yeah the other one he says you know have a genuine interest in other people and you know i had read this quote earlier you can make more friends in two months by becoming genuinely interested in other people mm. than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. And yeah, I mean, I think he's pointing to there, like we, we like to talk about ourselves and we like people who encourage us to talk about ourselves and are genuinely interested in what we have to say. Mm. Like, I know that's true from, I mean, if somebody's just like, ask me like what book I'm reading and like wants to know the answer. Like that's the key to my heart. I'm just like, Oh, I'm reading this cool book. And if they smile and they say your name, Oh Zach, yeah. What book are you reading? Right. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. So I, th I don't know. I think yeah. that's a, that's a big one. Just being genuinely interested in, in what the other person's interested in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then if you can't be interested in them, it's like, maybe you guys shouldn't talk, you know? There, there's right. also that like you don't have to yeah well yeah yeah i mean 
he makes the point too, and I think it was actually some, I think it was a quote by Emerson that's in there. And Emerson was saying, every person you meet is superior to you in some way. Mm. And I really liked that a lot because I think if you're carrying that around in your head when you're talking to people and you are somebody who like genuinely like wants to learn Mm. and, you know, like learn from other people, like you can find that thing about that that person is like an expert in and like, I don't know, you can have them teach, you can have that person teach you something. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's how, that's kind of how I frame it in my mind of like, if I'm struggling to connect with somebody in a conversation, I kind of think like, well, what does this person know that I don't know that I can learn, learn from them? Like I would love, you know, this person's like, like I was talking to this guy about baseball and I'm, you know, I'm not a huge baseball fan, but I'm like, this guy's super, super into baseball. (laughs) And I don't know, like I used it as a chance to like, to, to learn some stuff about baseball. Mm -hmm. And he was like super, super like loving telling me all about this stuff Mm. so i don't know i think that's a cool way to to kind of frame it yeah yeah for sure you know as as you're talking right you're you're talking you're talking daytime Mm. so these are these are actual conversations that you're talking about yeah i think my mind um it kind of course corrected it finds errors with what you just said when it comes to nighttime Mm. and i think specifically i'm talking about like you know, like at like a club or something or like a bar. Like, mm. Let's say you're trying to pick up a chick, right? Yeah. The The same rules don't apply when it comes to genuine interest in a person. Sure. I've, sure. I've found that at nighttime, unless it's a dinner party and we're talking or we're close friends and we're talking or something like that, that's one thing. But I guess I'm, I'm, I'm introducing nuance to this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a thing that happens with some people where instead of talking about us, instead of talking about you, mm. we talk about that thing or, the, or that thing mm. or that person. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that for some strange reason is the route to some people for rapport. So it's like you, it's like, instead of me saying like, okay, what are you interested in? Like, where did you go to college or like whatever? Yeah. You are kind of having an experience in the moment of like, hey, look at that guy over there. Like, what do you think, what do you think, uh, like, what do you think he does for a living? I don't know. That, that's, that's boring. That's horrible. But like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, you're, yeah. you're having a, you're having a discussion that is more of like an experience with the person. Right, right. If anything, what you do is you start to experience with the person or you experience the person. Mm. It's, it's this shift that happens at nighttime that for some weird reason, it kind of fascinates me that that happens. Cause in the daytime, there are people who have great conversations in the daytime. You know, you'll get deep with them. You'll talk. Mm. They want to know about you. You know about them. Da, da, da. Nighttime, you take that person out. No one has the attention span for it. Totally. Well, and I think too, maybe like you said, to add some nuance to this point. Yeah. Like in terms of getting people to like you, like that's a huge umbrella. Yeah. You know, he, you know, he just says nine tips or whatever to get people to like you. And is very different if you're talking about in a kind of romantic setting or if you're talking about a business setting. Um, yeah. Cause like, like you said, a lot of things like flirting, uh, you know, flirting is not necessarily like, Oh, tell me about what you're interested in. It's, it's yeah. much more playful teasing banter. Like, right. So 
yeah, I think I think what he's saying here, I think it's true and it's accurate, but there's it's probably only part of it's probably only part of what's under like a much larger umbrella when it comes to um yeah, like influencing people. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um one of the things we kind of hinted on earlier, he talks about like you know, there's a whole section here about, uh, he says, how to change people without giving offense or arousing resentment. Mm. So kind of the, you know, premise there is if if you just uh, offer criticism, uh, a lot of times people will resent you. Um, so he gives some techniques. He says, you know, begin with praise and honest appreciation. Uh, another principle is call attention to the person's mistake indirectly. Uh, talk about your own mistakes before criticizing the other person. Uh, ask questions instead of giving direct orders. Let the other person save face. Uh, so a lot of these, uh, you know, a lot of these are about just being kind of subtle and delicate when yeah. it comes to giving somebody criticism or telling somebody something that they might not want to hear. And yeah, I mean, some of this, I've heard it called like the shit sandwich. Where it's like, it's basically like, uh, compliment, criticism, compliment. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, Shahid, like you've been, you know, doing such a great job at work and like, we really appreciate to have you to come around. Oh, if you don't mind, um, you know, just make sure you get those TPS reports to me, uh, on time. Uh, because when you, you know, you're a few minutes late, then like that really holds things up. Mm. Uh, but again, like, um, you know, it's just been so great having you around. So you're kind of, I don't know, I'm, I wouldn't be a great boss, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm all, yeah. obviously not in the corporate world because I'm using like office TPS space, office space uh, <laughs> references. But but yeah, that's basically, I think, how he sees a way of offering criticism is like, okay, I boosted this person's ego, like mm-hmm. gave them a compliment, let them know that they're appreciated, tell them what I want them to do differently, mm-hmm. and then... I don't think he has this in in here. I think he just says those first two compliment criticism. But I've also heard like you can throw another compliment at the end if you really want to uh, pepper it. Yeah, yeah. I've I've heard it called the um, feedback hamburger or something like feedback that. hamburger. It's a, the bring on sandwich. I don't know. Are hamburger sandwich hamburgers are sandwiches, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I've seen this done. Okay, so. A lot of these principles have made their way to the mainstream and they've they've come uh, in different flavors, but mm. you can kind of recognize them when they happen. Mm. Like your sandwich thing. He didn't refer to it as sandwich, right? That, that came up later? Yeah, but I mean, it might have come from here originally. Right, right I think right. a lot of stuff, uh, like a lot of self-help books are just this book recycled, you know? <laughs> yeah, so there's... There's this uh, there's this kind of thing that happens when I see this in the real world nowadays mm. and they don't do it well. It's just like using your name too much. It's like, oh, mm. fuck. You know, just fuck you. You know, just tell me what you want to say. Like if the compliments maybe aren't genuine. Right, yeah. right. Like if the compliments aren't genuine. Yeah. Like there's definitely this, uh, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do this now. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, man, that, that thing that he said about being genuine, that, that was a big deal. It's so hard to be genuine with people mm. when... uh Sometimes if you were genuine with them, you would probably tell them, hey, you know, you're fucking up big time. And maybe maybe they're not doing well. You know? mm. Man, I'm thinking about my job a lot right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm projecting a lot of shit out to this book. <laughs> well, well, 
Yeah, I mean, because a lot of these. But it are is a, it is indirect. a great way to do it, though. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of these are indirect. Like call. He even says call attention to people's mistakes indirectly. Mm. Um, and again, because you know he's kind of saying there, if if you call, if you say it directly, you're going to arouse a uh, certain resentment. Um. And I, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, what what is your thoughts about kind of? Is, are there cases where being more direct and more blunt is the way to go? Yes. Not always. Um, let me be clear. I, mm-hmm. I do think that these this is a great technique for a lot of the time. Yeah. Maybe most of the time. Mm. And it's, it's really good because it'll offset like the human, um, human tendency to view uh, negative or dangerous things more so than positive things. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So let's say you have someone that's constantly messing up. Do this maybe like the first two times. Mm. After that, you start having one-on-ones with them and you got to tell them that they're messing up. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think maybe I just think about myself Oh, well, of course I'm thinking about myself. And here, here's why I say that, right? So I had this job once where I was like 15 minutes late mm. every single day. Yeah. Right? Once in a while is okay. But if you're doing this for weeks, at some point, you know what you're doing, mm. right? Like, you know, this is a game. Something's going on. You're resentful about your job or something like that. Yeah. And you're doing this on purpose. It's not an accident. Right. So when someone is in that kind of a situation where they're playing a game that they're not honest with themselves about, Mm. that's when this kind of shit is necessary. The person needs to be made uncomfortable and either get fired or leave. Right. Well, this is, it's kind of the kind of, uh, that's more of like tough love, right? It's more of like, okay, I've kind of, pussyfooted around it and tried to tell you this in a delicate way and that hasn't worked yeah so now i'm just kind of like lay it on you directly lay it on you bluntly and be like hey man like you're screwing up and like you're gonna lose your job if you don't get your stuff together yeah yeah i i appreciate that at times but again i think it it depends on what the intent of the person is because i think you can be blunt with somebody yeah uh, and have the intent still of like, I want to help this person, right. but I'm, I'm trying to communicate in a very clear, blunt way with them, but my intent is still to help them. Yeah, that that's true. I think I'm viewing this too narrowly. So I, I, yeah. I do agree with that, right? Because then you would still tell the person, you would say, hey, like you do all right on the calls. You seem like a cool guy. I'm actually telling you what happened. Mm. Like you seem like a cool guy and stuff like that. But like, I just can't have this happening. Mm. So you know what? I'm I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Like, <laughs> so so yeah. even unless things are absolutely terrible and there's nothing good to say about the person, then you actually should say it like this. Mm. And he even goes yeah. as far as to say you shouldn't say the word but. You should uh, you should say the word and. Yeah. Because people kind of hear the word but and they uh they they just close down. So if I'm just like. Hey, you seem like a cool guy and blah, 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 but 
people are just like, mm, here it comes. Mm, yeah. So he even says like, you should substitute the word and. So just like, you seem like a great guy and like, you really need to get your stuff together. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the, what the thing was. But. Hey, hey, you've been really great and we should never see each other again. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> that, yeah, it doesn't really work. They're like, uh, wait a minute. Don't you mean butt? <laughs> Yeah, there's some line, some Game of Thrones line. It's basically like uh, paraphrasing, but it's like anything before the word "but" is bullshit. Mm, (laughs) That sounds like something. uh, What's the the small guy? I think it's uh, Theon Greyjoy, maybe. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I would have thought that was um, the midget guy. Man, we'll get corrected from the Game of Thrones fans listening. I'm sure they'll (laughs) they'll give us the exact quote and the exact season and episode that it was on. Hey, so, all right, so Game yeah. of Thrones, right? The Lannisters. I I wish, I wish they had an episode following around the father Lannister. Okay. Because I wonder if he conducts his business at all. It's fictional, right? Mm-hmm. But I wonder if a person at that level conducts business in this manner. Mm. Or if at some point you level up so much that all this is... Phew, well, I think there's like there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah. And there's more than one way to lead. And that you can, you know, lead like a Lannister, which is maybe a more kind of Machiavellian, like uh you know, authoritarian, maybe even tyrant, like just here are the role here are the rules, do what I say, or off with your head mm. and you know, can kind of like get people to do things by fear. And this is more of a, this is maybe more of a benevolent way of leading. And he makes the point here that like positive reinforcement is much more potent than negative reinforcement. Mm. And, you know, he quotes, uh, I think, B.F. Skinner's um, studies with uh, mice and rats. Mm. And that, yeah, just you, we're much yeah, we're much more likely to do what the person wants us to do when we're being incentivized and rewarded, when we're kind of seeing, okay, what's in it for me versus when we are uh, potentially being punished or trying to, trying to, uh, you know, distance ourselves from getting punished. So, and that kind of goes into like putting things, he says like you should always put things in terms of what's in it for the other person. Mm, yeah. The kind of like what's in it for me approach. Um, which, yeah, I think, it, I think that was great. He, he cites some letter that he received from a guy and it was basically like, like I'm going to need you to, to do this because uh, I have this deadline to meet. And oh, blah, yes, blah. yes, 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 and yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, and Carnegie's, like, scathing. He's just like, how, like, conceited of you to think that, like, I would read a letter like this and actually want to do it. Like, all you've done is said what's in it for you. You haven't said what's in it for me. Mm. And he's like, a good letter, like, a good a good way to get somebody to do what you want them to do is to frame it in a way that shows why it's beneficial to them. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something I think about, try to incorporate. I did that with, um, I was trying to, I was playing in this wedding band and the 
the drum microphones were just always falling apart mm. and I would need to like use like a whole roll of tape to get them to, to stay. Mm. And I kept asking like, Hey, can you replace these? Can you replace them? Like nothing, nothing. And I finally wrote an email and I was like, Hey, um, I said something like, you know, every gig I have to use like a whole roll of this gaff tape to tape up these drum mics. And I know this tape's expensive. It's like $30 a roll. So I basically said like, you guys are losing $30 every gig. You don't replace the drum mics. And it was like next gig. (laughs) They had had new drum mics because it's like framed in terms of, again, you're appealing that person's self-interest. Yeah. It's like, maybe they care about the other person. Maybe they don't, but they definitely care about, you know, the what's in it for me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's, that's great. It's great that it like, God, knowing the cost of stuff is so awesome. Like, like dollar is, it's a good way to, it's a good way to put things into perspective, you know, like, like, like us not being organized is costing X amount of dollars. Mm. Right. You're making, you're giving people like a tangible thing. And a lot of it's framing too, because right, you can frame the same thing like I think is the point that he's saying it's not so much about like is it actually good for this person or is it actually good for you it's just how you're framing it because I could frame that whole thing of like you should get new drum mics because it will make my life a lot easier and you know that's just not going to motivate them in the same way that like you should get drum mics because it's costing you $40 every time you don't do it yeah yeah you're selling them an idea yeah yeah you're putting it in there and I think one of the, one of the quotes he he says like the biggest take home from this book is uh, to put yourself in the other person's shoes, and I think that's true of kind of all of these principles that he talks about. Is that in order to do them effectively, you've kind of got to like, I mean, that's essentially what empathy is, right? You kind of have to put yourself in that person's shoes mm-hmm. and be like, okay, well how would I feel if I was receiving, you know, this angry letter from this person just telling me what they want? Mm. Like, oh yeah, it wouldn't feel good. Or like, how would I feel if, uh, like I was greeted by this, um, you know, kind of bitchy face versus how would I feel if I was greeted by a smile and somebody like super happy to see me? Yeah. 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 That's big. Being able to put yourself in other people's shoes like that. I know in in salsa dancing, there, I don't know why I said dancing so weird just now. No, you said it with like a <laughs> Spanish accent. So in, <laughs> like in in salsa dancing, um, every once in a while they'll like for males, you're typical, you're typically leading, mm. so they'll have you follow. Mm. And honestly, being a, a follower once, being led by another person drastically changes the way that you lead mm. going forward. So it, it's like this sort of physical empathy that kind of happens. And, yeah. and then you start to know what it's like, you know, like you don't just throw the girl across the room. You kind of lead her there as a difference. Totally. And, yeah. And that made me think, I don't know that I've ever told you this story. Did I ever tell you the story? I was like s- seduced by a man. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way. Right. Oh, man. Not in a, not in a, 
not in a sexual way, but I'll, okay. So I'm, I'm building it up now, but all right. And in this story, just to preface why I'm telling it, <laughs> it taught me so much about like what it means to make somebody feel significant and kind of like feel, feel good and important. Yeah. So this was actually, this was a couple years ago. I went and saw this guy. I actually think you might've recommended this guy. His name's Owen. Mm. He, he used to be like a pickup artist and now he's like a business coach. So he's giving this talk about like sales and like, you know, how to start your business networking, that kind of thing. So I get to this thing. It's like way out in Queens and it's like the middle of the summer and I get to this place and it's like a old movie theater that they've converted into like a place where people give talks. So I get there and it's like super hot. There's no air conditioning. It's like sweaty. And there's just like a bunch of like, bunch of like young dudes in their twenties standing around. Cause again, this guy has like, (laughs) he he used to be a pickup artist. He has all these like young guys in their twenties. Yeah. So it's just me and like probably close to like a hundred dudes in their twenties, like just stand around and I'm just kind of sitting there and I look across, there's this like Italian guy, like everybody's wearing shorts. There's this Italian dude in his twenties. He's like wearing like a full suit. So I'm like this guy <laughs> and he looks at me, he's, you know, standing there for a couple minutes. He looks at me and he's just like kind of weighs me over and I'm like, and uh, I'm like, <laughs> and, and he goes, he says, I know something about you. And I'm like, uh, uh, like already just like intrigued, like, okay. And he's like, you play the drums. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I could see you have a drum, drum key. So I'm like, okay, this, yeah, this guy's, <laughs> this guy's smooth. You know, he's basically picking me up. And then he goes, uh, he says, there's something there's something different about you. He says I've been watching all the guys in here. He's like cuz he had he would just been like looking around. And he's like I've been watching all the guys about you. He's like there's something something different about you. And he's like I'm not quite sure what it is, but there's something different. And then we get into this conversation. And honestly, like him saying that it sounds like a throwaway thing, right? There's something different about you. I've been looking at all these, you know, dozens of guys in this room. But what did he do there? He made me feel special, significant, and different and unique. Mm-hmm. And like he had me in the palm of his hand. And it wasn't until like a couple days later where I was just like, oh man, that guy was <laughs> that guy was smooth. He was like kind of picking me up. Yeah. And he wasn't I mean, maybe he was just, you know, schmaltzy bullshit, but he was like a genuine, genuine guy. And, you know, I believe what he was saying, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the, the cynics would say, oh, he's just saying that he was trying to get something from you. He didn't actually think you were special. But I guess my point is I felt what it feels like to f- feel special and significant. Wow. And yeah, that kind of gave me that empathy of like, wow, okay, well, if I can give that to the people I'm talking with and kind of make them feel important, make them feel special. I'm like, that's, yeah, wow. it was a, a huge lesson. Wow. So yeah, being uh, being seduced by a man taught me a lot. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, sweet, man. Yeah. This was fun. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, totally. Uh, I'm glad we did it. And like, yeah, I got so much more from like, 
reading the book with you. This was also cool. Like, this is my first one in person. Oh, wow. Really? The vibe is so much better. Yeah. I'm honored. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Zach. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening to Unpacking Ideas. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend or scroll down and write a review or give us a five-star rating. All that helps tremendously, so thanks so much in advance. If you'd like to read along with us, please visit unpackingideas.com, where I post links to the future pieces that we'll be discussing on future podcast episodes. All right, that'll do it for today. We'll see you guys next time.